Man Up, brought to you by Construction Professionals, a program dedicated to inspiring and helping men live lives of heroic virtue. Join Joe Stopulus every Monday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. And now, it's time to Man Up. Man Up, also underwritten by McDonald Imaging Solutions. Welcome to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. We are broadcasting from the Mercy One Studios, heard on 1150 AM, 88.5 FM, and 94.5 FM. Around the globe, streaming online at Iowa Catholic Radio and on the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Also, please subscribe to our our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your uh, your podcast. You know what you should do is you should also get, leave us a review. You should give us a five-star review on the podcast. Help other people discover this podcast. Share this show with your friends, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, all of that good stuff. I am Joe Stopulus. Today I am joined again by Mark Gieschek from the Augustan Institute, uh, discussing part two of the life of Moses. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's start with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. Do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. First and foremost, Happy Easter to everyone out there. I hope you all had a tremendous, just a great triduum uh, and a great Easter celebration. Uh, something I've just really, and you've heard it on the show a handful of times, I'm sure, but one of the, the reoccurring themes that I've had is understanding the church's calendar and really enjoying these these periods of, of, of celebration. The church gives us this, this liturgical calendar, this gift. We have periods of fasting, i.e. Lent, and then we also have these seasons of rejoicing, and they give us a lot more rejoicing, a lot of time to rejoice. So this octave of Easter that we're in right now, make sure we're, we're really entering into it, celebrating Christ's victory over death. I hope you had a wonderful Easter uh, Easter celebration, but now we've got a full season, 50 days till Pentecost. Make sure you're, you're enjoying all of them and, and really soaking in the joy of this Easter season. And if you were at uh, the vigil, if you're at the Easter vigil, you heard what we're about to discuss today, or at least a, a major portion of it, which is the story of the Exodus. I said in part one, uh, Mark joined us to discuss... Well, we only got through seven chapters, quite frankly, uh, of the life of Moses. He's got four full books. We got seven chapters in. But the story of the Exodus, in part one, we discussed really the birth story of Moses. Uh, talked about Moses and the burning bush, how God revealed to Moses his name. And then when Moses returns to Egypt, really the major piece of what God wants him to do is to allow his people to, to serve him, to rest and to pray to God. And Pharaoh does not allow that. In fact, he actually increases the task uh, to the Egyptian people. And we talk about the parallels between how Satan does that to us today and how he continues to keep us apart from God, not wanting to worship God by adding more and more distractions to us uh, of worldly things, of, of power, pleasure, honor, of, of just TV, video games, all those different things that distract us from God and how we need to be free from that sin. So in today's episode, we're going to start actually in Exodus chapter 7, uh, where we left off, and now we're going to get into the plagues and, and how God delivers us from our taskmaster. So excited to have uh, Mark Gieschek on the other side of this break to go into part two of our conversation on Moses. Thank you, construction professionals, for underwriting Man Up. 
Construction professionals have been long supporters of Iowa Catholic Radio, and we've seen their work firsthand. It's very impressive. They do remodeling or new construction that is innovative, functional, and designing what you want. cpcustomhomes.com. I want to thank McDonald Imaging Solutions. They are sponsors of Man Up. If you were at the State Fair this year, they were the ones who provided the new tents and the Pope on a Stick fans that we used. McDonald Imaging Solutions is a family business with thousands of promotional items to choose from. They do things from labeling to marketing, printing, and provide all kinds of promotional products. Marty will personally help any business, big or small, to build their brand with corporate apparel and promo items. McDonald Imaging Solutions. Building brands, attracting new customers online at McDonaldImagingSolutions.com. Thank you, Farm Bureau agent Cindy Schulte, for underwriting Catholic Women Now. As an authorized independent agent, Cindy's team can provide health insurance options from Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa. Cindy Schulte at 1315 50th Street in West Des Moines or on the web at CindySchulte.com. 515 515- Two two six two one one one. Cindy and her team know health insurance. Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association. Products available at Farm Bureau Financial Services. Thank you, Confluence Brewing Company, for underwriting Christ is the Answer with Father Ricardo and for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Father Ricardo is featured daily at 11 a.m. Monday through Friday. Confluence Brewing Company is located off the bike trail south of Grays Lake. Confluencebrewing.com. Hi, this is Marty McDonald with McDonald Imaging Solutions. It's been my joy to support Iowa Catholic Radio's new event tents and the Pope on a Stick fan used at the Iowa State Fair. McDonald Imaging Solutions, building brands, attracting new customers. McDonaldImagingSolutions.com Welcome to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio, broadcasting from the Mercy One Studios on 1150 AM, 88.5 FM, and 94.5 FM. I am Joe Stopulis, and today I am joined again by Mark Gieschek. Uh He is at the Augustine Institute. We had him on last week to discuss Moses in the first part of our two-part episode on Moses. Uh, Mark, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's great to be with you again. Yeah, again, I'm glad we, <laughs> I'm glad we decided to do two episodes. Uh, we made it to Chapter 7. Of Exodus, so <laughs> four books to cover me at seven chapters in, so that went really well. Uh, but no, the good news is, so again, as we as we talked about last time, we really kind of talked about the beginning of his life, his denial of God's call originally, and then his his acceptance to that call, and and now we've started into the part where Moses is trying to uh, to tell Pharaoh to let his people, and we we ended on the Sabbath, talking about he wants God wants his people to have rest. The, the Satan is not our Satan. Uh, Pharaoh is not allowing him, uh, his people, to have rest. And so now we're entering uh, chapter 7, which is the beginning of the plagues. Uh, and I can't... <laughs> the importance of understanding the story of Exodus, As if you go to the Easter Vigil, you're going to hear it over and over again, hear all this stuff over and over again. It, it cannot be stressed, the importance of understanding these texts. Uh, and so anyway, we're, st- we're now walking in to the plagues, and I'll let you summarize the plagues, or I'll let you go off as detailed as you want into the importance of the plagues. Yeah, okay, so Moses, he ends up back in Egypt, right? He's reluctant, but called, uh, and, and yet he's obedient eventually, all right, uh, after he overcomes his cowardly uh, attitude and accepts the call. Goes back to Egypt with his brother Aaron, who's the spokesman, the PR representative, right? Uh, and uh, as they ask Pharaoh to let them go worship, Pharaoh says, no, you're going to work, you're not going to worship. Uh, and 
And so the Lord afflicts the Egyptians with a series of ten plagues. Now, there's a lot of different explanations, but the basic idea is the ten plagues are sort of warfare on the Lord's part directed against the gods of Egypt, right? So the, the different things that appear in the plagues, like the frogs and the gnats and the livestock and so forth, are associated with different Egyptian gods, right? And the Lord is showing, I'm the creator of the universe. I'm more powerful than all of your gods. I, I kind of like to see what's going on here as a kind of grudge match, right? On the one hand, it's like Moses versus Pharaoh, and it's like when you see two guys kind of uh, getting into a, a bit of a, a fight. Uh, I'm a Michigan fan, right? So I just met an Ohio State fan about a week ago, and this is what happened, right? Yeah. He started saying, well, what about this? What about this? What about that, right? Um, and, then, and then it's like, but, but Moses and Pharaoh are really just representatives of even greater powers, right? The gods of Egypt versus the god of Israel, who's more powerful. And in the end, of course, the Lord prevails, and uh, at the final plague, right, the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn, right? Even Pharaoh's son will die. Uh, and and the, the Lord is really direct about this. He says, you're killing my son, right? My firstborn son, Israel, right? By killing all the baby boys. And now I'm going to kill your son, right? And, and the firstborn sons of, of all of the Egyptians and all of the livestock. And this is when the Passover is celebrated, right? When the angel of death appears, the... Uh, the Israelites eat the special meal where they eat a lamb and are preserved from the angel of death. Uh, and, and the firstborn of Israel are actually consecrated to the Lord. And it's at that moment right, that Pharaoh will relent and allow the people of Israel to go. Probably a good time to plug uh, The Lamb's Supper by Scott Hahn. If you haven't read that book, good time to do that. It really dives deep into a lot of this and the, the connections uh, to the, the New Testament Passover. Um, so the institution of the Passover, again... I think one of the important things to realize as we're, again, only 12 chapters into Exodus, the Catholic Mass, people are, um, in, in today's world, I get I get frustrated about it because now that I've actually read myself into it. You know, I think it's so easy for us um, to, to get lost in what's going on in the Mass if we don't understand these texts. Again, I go back to the Easter Vigil, how important it is that we walk through all this to understand why we do what we do. Why are we not just having, you know, awesome sermons and lights and great stuff. You know, I think that the model of the Catholic Passover between the, the, the Eucharistic, Eucharistic feast, if you don't understand these texts, you will have no idea what we're doing at, at right. Mass on Sundays. Right. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, in, in order to really understand the Mass in its fullness, there are a lot of Old Testament themes that we need to really come to grips with and, and realize that the first Mass that Jesus celebrates is actually a Passover meal. Mm-hmm. Right? So he and his disciples are sitting down to, to eat the Passover, and then it turns into the Mass. So that every time we celebrate the Mass, uh, it's, it's, like, it's like we're celebrating a Passover meal. Uh, obviously, it's modified and different and so forth, but that's where its roots are, are in Exodus 12. Yeah. Well, again, we're, we're still in 12 chapters in. we got to move fast, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. All right, so now we're, in, we're, now we're at chapter 14 uh, and the crossing of the Red Sea. Um, and so the... Pharaoh allows them to go. He says go, and he, he reneges pretty quickly and decides, well, I'm letting them go. I should not have done that. Why did I do that? And so they're going into the Red Sea, uh, and we all know the Charleston Heston version of this. He parts it in, they go, and then the chariots come from behind. Uh, anything to add to that story that you want to touch on? Yeah, I mean, this is the first battle that um, Moses leads the people in. 
in this particular case, right, the Lord fights on behalf of the people, fights off uh, the uh, Egyptians, and they all drown in the sea. But Moses is like the general of the people. And we're going to see him uh, leading other battles later on against other kings. So, but this is just the first time that we see him uh, leading a battle and obviously doing a great miracle in terms of splitting the sea. Mm-hmm. But as, as soon as they get across, right, the people are upset. I mean, at first they're happy, but then they're upset because they're in the desert and they don't have any water. Right, so, so the Lord miraculously provides water t- for them through Moses. And then, of course, he'll also provide the manna from heaven, right, the miraculous bread from heaven uh, for the people through Moses' prayer. Uh, and I think that the, the manna, the miraculous water, and then, of course, the law, the Torah, the Ten Commandments, uh, are all gifts that the Lord gives to his people through Moses. So on the one hand, Moses is called by God. He leads the people out of out of Egypt, out of slavery, um, and yet on the other hand, he functions as this kind of covenant mediator, right? Where he is God's representative to the people, uh, and that through his own transformation, right, he is able to then be like a, a, a kind of gift giver on God's behalf, right? So he gives the law, he gives the manna, he gives the water. Uh, and the people are able to receive those great gifts from Moses. Um, in, in fact, there's a, a reference to this in Psalm 68 that's quoted in Ephesians 4, where he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, he gave gifts to men. Right? And Ephesians is applying that to Christ, but originally it applies to Moses. Right? That he's leading out the captives, he's ascending up the mountain of the Lord, and then he's giving divine gifts to the people on God's behalf. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's it, one of the things that I always remember as a kid being like, well, these Israelites complain a lot. Like, what are they doing? They they turn away from God, even though God's done all this great stuff for them. And then, you know, you put yourself in today just as an adult. I can look at that and say, you know, how much am I like the Israelites? How much do I grumble against the Lord, even though how much good he's done for me? So, again, it's just amazing that the timing of the, the Egyptians, they watch them drown in the sea behind them. Man comes down, you know, and they, they grumble immediately. I mean, it's, it's within one page. Would... Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by our flesh pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out here to this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. The complaining literally takes uh, half a chapter from the time that he kills their enslavers till they're grumbling against Moses and saying we would have rather died in Egypt. And how much we today as sinners do that to the Lord. You know, how much do we, how often are we turning away from the Lord, even though he's provided all these good things for us? So I always looked at it as a kid, like, gosh, these guys complain a lot. And now I'm put, turning it back on myself. I'm like, gosh, darn it, that's me. Well, haven't you ever taken your kids on a road trip, right? Isn't this what happens, like, within an hour of leaving home, right? I, uh, I uh, actually made it um, out of my, we, we drove to the Grand Canyon last year, and we made it out of our neighborhood. We still could probably hit a driver back to our house, well, if it's a good drive. Um, and my son... Uh, turned around and said, "Are we are we in Nebraska yet?" We're like, no, 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 we're we're in, we're in our neighborhood. Thank you, though. That was uh, didn't quite make it. Um, all right, so, so now, oh, go ahead. Can I focus on complaining for just a second? You can you can go as long so, as you want. It's a major theme. Complaining here. Is, is something that we don't take seriously in our culture. We think that it's totally normal to just go around and complain about stuff, whether it's the government or the weather or taxes or whatever. Right? We just love complaining, right, mm-hmm. and telling people about all of our problems. But, but honestly, if you look at these stories in the book of Exodus and Numbers, you realize that complaining is evidence of a spiritual problem, right? A, a dissonance in one's relationship with God, right? And that the more we complain, 
the more we begin to believe the narrative of the complaint, right, and believe the story that, oh, my life is no good, oh, my life is full of tragedies, oh, shouldn't everybody feel sorry for me? And in fact, like, we gotta, we gotta flip the script, right? We gotta change the narrative of, of our own lives and not live in a kind of complaining mode, but rather in a mode of faith and of hope. That doesn't mean that we're all gonna be like 100% optimists all the time. It's not what I mean, but it's like complaining is evidence of a spiritual problem, and we wanna get that problem fixed so that we don't live in that complaining mode. No, very good. I, I appreciate that. And if you wanna talk about complaining, I, I probably do it too much, so we can just talk about it for the next 10 minutes. Or we can go to Exodus 20 and try to move the story along. Like, man, yeah. we should do five episodes. So, so, okay. so, now, now so what's happening? Uh, well, I can do Moses from start to finish in about two minutes here. Okay? So <laughs> in Exodus 20, right, Moses gives the commandments, the Ten Commandments, to the people. Then the people celebrate a covenant ceremony with God in Exodus 24, and he gives them all the instructions for how to worship him, namely how to build the tabernacle, and what the priests should wear, and this sort of thing, so that they can celebrate sacrificial worship. All of those instructions continue all the way through the book of Leviticus. It's full of all these funny laws about, you know, clothing and sacrificial animals. Really, God is giving them instructions for worship, right? How is this relationship with God to be conducted, right? And it's through the priesthood, through sacrificial offerings, right? And through giving oneself to the Lord. By the time we get to Numbers, we're ready to leave Mount Sinai, Right, and go take the Holy Land. They get, to, they get to the edge of the Holy Land, they send in some spies, and the spies come back and say, whoa, we don't want to go in there, there's giants in the land. And the people uh, rebel against the Lord and against Moses, uh, and say, okay, we're not going to take the land. And, and the Lord says, okay, well, now I'm going to kill all the people. And Moses says, whoa, 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 Lord, please don't do that. Let's, let's give them another chance. Right? And, uh, and they have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and then eventually they end up at the start of the book of Deuteronomy on what's called the plains of Moab. It's the, the part, it's, it'd be modern day Jordan, right across the Jordan River from the land of Israel. And that's where uh, Moses will give them the book of Deuteronomy, which is really a long pep talk, right? I like to think of Moses here as a coach, right? Talking to the team before the big game. Like, here's what's going to happen when you go in there, right? You know, here's, here's what's happened this whole season. We've had our ups. We've had our downs. We've won some games. We've lost some games. So for the first three or four chapters of Deuteronomy, he just retells the story of Exodus, uh, Leviticus, and Numbers. And then he says, here's what you're going to do once you get into the land. Here's how to be faithful to the Lord. And he lays it out really clearly, right, all the different things that they're required to do in order to be faithful to the Lord. And then at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses will give a blessing to the people, and then he will die because because the Lord has prevented Moses himself from leading the people into the land because of his own disobedience, uh, but he's going to leave this great testament of his life uh, in the, the Torah, right, in the law that he's given to the people. So we see Moses, yes, as a prophet who receives divine revelation. We see him as a covenant mediator, as a priest, as a giver of the law, uh, as, as a, as a uh, foreshadowing of Christ to come, but also as a coach, right, as a good teacher or catechist, by teaching the people of God how to be faithful to him. And the ultimate lesson of, of Moses' life and of Deuteronomy is about obedience. Right? He says, in order to be blessed by God, you have to be obedient to God. Right? And if you're disobedient to God, you'll be cursed by him. And he lays out the curses of the covenant and the blessings of the covenant in Deuteronomy 28, showing us that obedience is the path to life. You know, I thought uh, I was reading, the, I have this 
uh, Great Adventure Bible, uh, the, the Jeff Caven's Great Adventure Bible, and I thought this was a great way of putting it. Um, you, you touched there in the end of the obedience to God, and it says, you know, the, the major difference between the covenant between Abraham and then through Moses is that first, the Mount Sinai covenant is conditional. The law states that if followed, it will result in blessing, but if it's violated, negative consequences uh, will happen. And secondly, God makes this covenant with a nation. So the... The, the, as you mentioned, if if you are trustworthy, if you believe in him, and if you follow what God says, good things will happen, right? So that's really yeah. where the, the conditional promises of this covenant came through. And that, to me, is the summation of the story of, of especially Exodus, and, but Numbers specifically, is trust the Lord. Trust the Lord, and good things will happen. And, and there is, and then the other major one is there is one God. We are serving the one true God, and especially in a time... Again, context uh, and time of, of when this was going on, most other places had lots and lots and lots of other gods, and this story just re rehits over and over and over again. There is one God, and I am He. Right, right. Well, I think it also gives a great vision for what life can be like. Right, my, one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible is in Leviticus twenty six, where it says, "If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, so that's obedience." Then I will give you your rains and their seasons, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last to the time of the grape harvest, the grape harvest shall last to the time for the sowing, and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land securely. It goes on and on, right? But the beauty of it is that there's this like, great vision for what human life can be like, right? This place of uh, abundance and enjoyment of God's presence in the Holy Land, right? And an enjoyment of the, the fruit of the land, uh, you know, of children, uh, of peace and security, right? And that this is, is, this is the direction that the Lord wants to bring us in. What can life be about? It can be about joy and happiness and family, right? Not just about struggle and difficulty and finances, right? Well, Mark, uh, this was a really great couple episodes uh, on Moses. I've got a few follow-up questions for you to end that are a little off topic, uh, but I wanted to pick your brain real quick. Obviously, you're a Bible scholar. Do you have a favorite book of the entire Bible? Oh, that's really hard. I'd say Song of Songs is my favorite. That's what I wrote my dissertation. Oh, nice. Good. Um, yeah. Favorite book not in the Bible. <laughs> Can't be, uh, cannot be a book you wrote either. It's got to be somebody yeah, else. Yeah, I mean, I'd say Lord of the Rings okay. uh, is, is one of the greatest works of literature that's not in the Bible. Yeah. Okay. Favorite, as we're going through the great men of the Bible, do you have a favorite great man of the Bible? Um... Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to vote for Solomon. Okay. I mean, can't go wrong there. That's good. That's good. We'll be covering him here uh, probably next month, I assume. Uh, favorite saint? Uh, yeah, my favorite saint is St. Bonaventure. Nice. The second founder of the Order of Franciscans. Yeah. Very good. Uh, lastly, I know you guys did a Bible in a year. I, you know, Part of this series is, is really trying to help us scratch the surface uh, on getting a grip of the entire Bible, uh, especially the salvation history part of it, through the eyes of the great men. Curious if you could tell us a bit about the Bible in the year that you guys did, and how we can uh, how we can maybe plug into that. Yeah, so the Bible in the year from the Augustine Institute, you can get a paperback or a leatherback copy, and it uh, it basically breaks up the Bible into a daily reading plan for 365 days. We also have a two year plan if you want to go a little bit slower. Uh, and so for every day, there's an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, a bit of the wisdom literature, and then a little reflection that we wrote. So. Uh, it's a really great way just to kind of work your way through the entirety of the Bible in a rel- you know relatively quickly, right? In a in a year, it takes about twenty minutes a day, 
uh, and then you can read through the whole Bible cover to cover. It's great. A- anything else from the Augustan Institute that you want to promote? Anything else exciting? Uh, well, we've on got here? a lot of things going on over here. You I always mean, I teach do. In our, in our graduate program, so if you're interested in a Master's of Theology, I'd love to have you as a student. Uh, but our, our largest program is forms.org, which mm-hmm. is our sort of like Catholic version of Netflix, right, where you can log on and, and watch all kinds of different programs. Uh, we've got podcasts and books uh, and a lot of video up there uh, on different topics. So I'd encourage you to take a look at forms.org or maybe uh, think about applying at some point to the master's program. Yeah, forms.org is, an, is a, my wife and I are uh, – Huge advocates uh, of Form.org. Uh, I talk about it fairly frequently on the show. I, I, I love what you guys are doing with that. I think it's a really great way uh, to get all the great stuff you guys are doing at the Augusta Institute out uh, out to the masses. So, uh, Mark, again, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. It's great to be with you, Joe. I'm, I'm so glad I was able to come. Awesome. We'll stick around. We're going to head to a short break, and we'll tie up the last two the last of the two conversations on Moses after the break. When you donate to CTO, you're helping more and more families send their kids to Catholic school. That's great, because more and more families qualify for tuition assistance every year. Your generosity makes a huge difference for thousands of families and kids who really need help. Plus, your donation qualifies you for great tax credits. Want to help? Please donate at ctoiowa.org. Let's do this for the kids and their future. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Welcome back to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. My thanks again to Dr. Mark Gieschek for joining me to discuss this two-part episode on Moses. So many great takeaways from the, the books of Moses, the four books of Moses. Well, there's five, but the four we covered with, the, with his story. There's a reason the church, especially the Easter Vigil, talks about these stories so much. The, the being enslaved and coming out of slavery to freedom, they, they are our story. Uh, and continuing that story in our next uh, our next part of this series is the conquest and the judges. So we're going to go into the book of Joshua and then into the book of Judges, and we're going to see this theme repeat itself. And the, this theme is sin, servitude, supplication, salvation, and silence. And that happens seven times in the book of Judges. And what we're going to see is the the Israelite people, now that they're freed, falling back into sin, and then God sending someone to help them get out of that sin. It is the cycle of our own lives. And that's why I'm really excited to get into the, the story of, of Judges. Uh, as we've just left Exodus, now we walk into the book of Joshua and the book of Judges, where we really, I think, see a microcosm of our own lives in our in our sin, and in, in falling in sin and then getting out of sin. So really excited to do that in the next episode. Thank you again for joining us on Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. I am Joe Stopulis. It's time to Man Up. Man Up, inspiring men to live out their call to holiness with Joe Stopulis. Heard Mondays at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Brought to you by Construction Professionals. Man Up, also underwritten by McDonald Imaging Solutions.